0: If Fog Could Sing Stories by Charlie Price The Radio by Charlie Price Read by Charlie Price Heel parked his car up on the crown of a raised pale level. The sandy level looked over an expanse of combed blue dunes beneath a sky that had been starry for about an hour. The parcel was in his trunk. The parcel's feet were crossed in the trunk. Heel's car was parked. He took the bottle of bourbon from the glove compartment and closed the glove compartment as he opened the driver's door, got out, and closed it behind him. He studied the folded dunes and the desert's green moonglow. He took a generous gulp of bourbon and set a cigarette alight. He rested himself, rump and all that was beneath and below his rump, his ass parked languidly on the car door. He was still restless, darkly held by a seduction, stilled by something seductive that came from within himself. He stood quiet with the last throes of panic and waited for them to die their death. All was calm. Birds were few. Smoke erected itself in a shimmer of vertical mist from the orifices in his face. The moon stole through this ephemeral vertical, caught for a brief minute like a big glow-in-the-dark fly in a web. Heel expected to hear the stillness troubled by nocturnal birds, their noises hungry and avid with despair across the desolate plains. But Heel still heard nothing until his car radio turned on, quite of its own accord. Heal didn't think much of the radio's sudden burst of life, an anomalous and innocuous fault, perhaps. He reached in through the window and turned the radio off, killing its sounds, which had been cacophony in the heart of the noiseless night. His cigarette diminished to a butt and he cast it away. He took another dose of wild turkey. The radio came on again. Heal wrinkled his eyes and brows and nose. This was strange. Nothing cogent issued forth from the radio's speakers. Garbled noises, voices audible but not intelligible, buzzing sonic kerfuffle, the sharp-bladed hiss of interference and static, ailed radio noise. Heel killed the radio in irritation. He stood, panic regenerating itself inside him. He allowed himself to cool, to calm, for the pandemonium in him to lessen and cease by studying the rim of the west and the folded sands. Jeweled sheets leapt in gusts over the meniscus of the desert's yellow sea. Heel knew the cry of some predatory or malign bird would come, any moment now it would come. But instead, and for a third time, the radio suddenly came on, a click suddenness itself, the garbled voices, the interference, the static, the hiss, rising and fading fragments of music penetrated the hiss of the radio's sounds, and together they penetrated the quiet night. Shut up, he all thought, and turned off the radio. It was like executing a living thing, punching the knob, noise slaughtered, assassinated cleanly, perfectly, with silence. The radio came on again. It shouldn't be possible. how, how? Heel asked himself in frustration. It didn't seem accidental anymore. The sounds were random, yet somehow the radio's sudden piping into life, time after time, it lent to the inanimate, faceless, square full of buttons, lifeless but for electricity, a will, a voice. Heel turned off the radio silence. Then the radio came on again, hissing, buzzing. Heel was not amused now, or intrigued. He was fearful and when Heel felt fear, he summoned rage. Shut up, shut up, Heel thought, and then muttered, and then cried aloud, loud. And he punched the radio silent. It began to hurt him, the radio's disobedience. Car radios have no will, but his will, Heel's willfulness, was heeded by nothing, not even a stupid radio. It must be a fault, Heel thought. It has no will, but the radio came on again. "'Fucking shut up!' Heel's voice let out again, with suddenness and ire. The sound of his shout leapt forth into the silver night, like a furious dog untethered, a cage snapped open, his bark, ebullient, with the first wonderful steps, seconds, breaths, barks of freedom. Heel clasped both hands over his lips. "'Quiet. I must be quiet.' He turned off the radio. Silence ensued until the radio bubbled into being for the umpteenth time and broke that silence. Heel was growing petrified. In desperation now, he turned off the radio. It turned on. He turned it off. It turned on. On. Off. On. Off. On. He swigged the bourbon, the radio's babble unbroken, and put the liquor bottle in the sand and hurried his parcel out of the boot of the car. The radio's babble was unbroken, and he released his shovel. He carried them about twenty paces forward, the parcel with feet and the shovel. He leapt down the little precipice, the fringe of the hill, the radio still sounding and gurgling, and he walked forward, forward, twenty paces, until he sensed the right spot, and began to dig in the sand, pitching the package aside, sensing the spot was right. As soon as he had stuck his shovel in the sand, the radio, still babbling, stopped, Heel looked about him in great bemusement. He cleared aside about ten clods in the steel palm of the shovel. The package was cast aside, its feet no longer crossed. Heel dropped the shovel and walked back to the car, in curiosity more than exhaustion. He was panting tortured pants. He pissed his pants. But he was thankful that the radio had stopped. He reacquainted himself with the car, "'leaned himself arse-sturdily against the door and lit a cigarette. "'A bird squawked. "'It was a guttural, darkly musical complaint, "'flung from hideous heaven into the swirling violet of the sands. "'The bird called a second time. "'Each time the bird called, Heel's ears pricked, "'and he searched for a swooping form.' Then there was silence. His excited eyes, as well as his alarmed ears, took in the large silence. Then the radio began again, clicking into cacophony of no accord but its own, crackling into beginning with a curt announcement of beep Then stations. Channels ensued. Different voices. Man, woman, speech, music. They were all intelligible in succession, but one channel gave way to another within seconds. A man. And it's rain showers tonight, so you folks up in Pensacola better cover your brains. Then a woman. My man lies next to me like a corpse at night. A trumpet. (coughs) A singing voice. Caterpillar made of bone, a butterfly wing of bone. A political man. We want to keep the national conversation going about how we get rid of the body. A writer. You've got to murder your darlings in order to advance to a second draft. I love to murder my darlings. I love to slaughter my darling. I have slaughtered my darling. Music. Notes, notes, notes. Noise. Heel didn't turn off the radio. He discarded the cigarette filter and returned to the package, with its two feet, and the rest of it bagged. The radio still poured its sounds into the night. As Heel walked off, the radio stopped, voluntarily. Heel picked up the package by its feet. He slipped the bag off the body. The boy in the bag had wild and white eyes. His hair had turned pale with panic. Heel dug more deeply into the sand. The sand began to resist him, began to resist rupture. The sand and sediment and dust and clay all collected and massed. It was reluctant to make room for the boy. The bird's screech rang out right over Heel's head. Heel looked up. Against the moon glow, he saw the swoop. One and then two birds. Vultures, and they began to caw and croak and crack and complain. Three more gathered. They must have smelled or somehow gleaned the boy's body now that it was unwrapped. You bastards, you bastards, he all roared. This boy is going to be buried. You'll get nothing. I'll protect him from you, from the vultures, from you. You'll get nothing, you vultures. Nothing. I can't even hear you. The vultures chorused a laughing and perilous reply, their numbers rising, numbers gathering. The vultures were swooping and circling, but they did not dare approach the boy's body or heel, as heel began to heave the boy into the hole he'd made. More vultures joined the other vultures. All the vultures were screaming now, like an amphitheatre of savages, hecklers with bloody lips, a sky of schizophrenia. The moon seemed to secrete teeth and lips, and seemed to laugh a lunar laugh over the still plains, over the human figures, two and lone, in its abyss. The boy seemed heavy all of a sudden, like a boy made of concrete, or the heaviest stone. Heel's arms became weak, the boy lay immovable in the sand. The sobbing music the vultures made became unabidable to heal. He clasped his ears closed, folded to the lobes closed, pressed his palms so tightly to the lobes that his ears began to burn and smart. He could barely shut out the sound. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up! He cried over and over again at the birds. He left the boy, inexplicably and miraculously heavy, and retreated, loping desperately back over to the car, still clamping his ears closed. But the sound, the pandemonium, was undiminished. It was not diminished one iota. Heel wanted the radio to blast again, to fill the night with its voices and sounds, so he couldn't hear the vultures. The radio sounds that wheezed and sang and rambled when they pleased were bad, but not as bad as the vultures. Not by half. Heel's finger spasmed on the round on knob, but the radio was silent. It lay unresponsive, dead smiling a vacant radio frown of stubborn radio silence. The radio was dead. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, you whore! Heel cried at the radio. But all that pierced the desert's soft sepulchral boom were the titters and sniggers and acid mutters of a hundred vultures gathering around the boy and screaming like rockets in Heel's suffering ears. He grabbed the bourbon "'and found it empty. "'He tried to approach the boy, "'pick up his shovel, bury the boy, "'dig the hole deeper, close up the hole. "'But he couldn't do anything. "'Each time he approached the shallow, open grave, "'the cacophony of the feasting vultures around it, "'wailing not in agony but in the satisfaction "'of their bleak appetites, "'retarded him, reduced him, "'robbed all power from his muscles. "'The sound was fury. "'The fury was a storm. "'Heel ran from the fury, from the sound.' from the storm, he ran and ran. In the morning, in the early hours of the East's jellied brightening, a patrolling ranger in a mustard boiler suit and a fedora found an abandoned car, an empty wild turkey, two butts, a hole, a pile of sand deposited adjacently, which used to occupy the hole, a body bag dancing in the wind, a shovel and a small carcass, fleshless, just bones. The ranger heard vultures speak from far off. He knew the sounds of all the birds and beasts. He knew from that secluded mutter of vulture notes that they were very, very happy vultures. The ranger got in his own car and reported the scene to headquarters over his radio. The vultures were still cooing horrible coos, though they were leagues away. The ranger grew perturbed by the sound. The vultures bothered him. The happy vultures bothered him. So he switched on his car radio, and the radio said, Good morning. It's a beautiful day.